Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Off Script with Pastor Jared and Aaron the intern. Back in the lab again. Back again. Uh, so I uh, have an interesting article today that I want to review. I don't know that I've done an article review yet. I may, but I don't remember. Um, this one came from Christianity Today, and uh, I, I actually don't recommend reading Christianity Today, but <laughs> that's where I saw this one. I do keep up with it, though I don't read it. Uh, I don't drink the Kool-Aid fully, you know, <laughs> and just uh, all of it as pure driven snow. Just no. look at the Kool-Aid, don't drink it. Yeah, I I trust myself to drink the Kool-Aid and, and, mm. and filter, but I wouldn't say everybody, all Christians everywhere should read Christianity <laughs> today. Um, they've definitely fallen far. Um, but uh, I saw a particular article in here that they got me. If it's clickbait, if this was clickbait, I want to admit they got me. And I immediately saw it and I clicked. And I will say, once, once I read it, I thought, you know what? They, this lady stood by her point real hard in this article. Like she was all in on the point. The name of the article title is Don't Run for the School Board. Don't Run for the <laughs> School Board uh, by Bonnie Christian. Uh, last name with a K, Bonnie Christian. Uh, last I checked, that article is still up. So uh, note to the producer, Brother Isaac, if you could put that link in, we'll, uh, we'll keep that for our listeners to click themselves. But after I read this article, uh, it, it had like a visceral reaction in me, and um, <laughs> it was so shocking. Uh, I guess I shouldn't be, but it's, this one was just like, it got me. And I thought, man, I, well, I want to say first, I printed off a copy and handed it to Aaron yeah. And I said, I want you, and I gave him nothing. I gave mm-hmm. him no uh, no pointing in this direction. I just said, I would like you to review this article, please. And handed it and walked away. And so his thoughts today are his own. Uh, <laughs> but I had such a gut reaction to this article that like, it was, so, I disagreed so strongly with the article. Um, and so anyway, that's what I want to talk a little bit about today to do a review of the article and then maybe just kind of say some things that were weird about it for me and see what Aaron thinks too. Um, so I'll just say, I'll, let me introduce it by saying this, you know how Vody Bauckham wrote fault lines. I know, you know, have yeah. you read that one? I haven't read the whole thing, but I've skimmed through. Parts okay. Of it. It's readable. It's read worthy. Um, Vody Bauckham wrote fault lines but maybe a year or two ago about the 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 tension the split happening in the evangelical world with uh critical race theory social justice and kind of how that's tearing us and we've got to deal with this we got to figure this out right. we're we're not together we think we are there's a fault line that's running beneath us i have come to a place recently where i think this might be the next fault line mm-hmm. and it and so not just the schools, I think, but the broader issue being cultural engagement or non-engagement. I think that may be the fault line that Christians have to figure out what's between them. I think maybe for somebody who might not know what's going on in the schools right now, like maybe they seem like, you know, why would they even be writing an article on this? Uh, I think it'd be good to have a summary of what is going on in the schools. So do you think... You know, I, I know about that. I know a little bit. I mean, it's no um, surprise that a lot of parents are pulling out right now at rates they've never pulled out before. Mm-hmm. So unless parents are just crazy, something's happening. 
Um, homeschooling is massively on the rise. My guess is that all the Christian schools in the area are on the rise. Their enrollment is up. Um, private schools as well. And that's just because there, there's clearly uh, some kind of, of a overtaking of our public school system um, by people with pretty open, not, not hidden mm-hmm. ideologies that they're trying to push on students and have teachers uh, teach in their classrooms. Yeah. And that comes, that, that can be, um, you know, as, as plain as critical race theory, you know, hate yourself because of your whiteness training, you know, uh, or it can be more hidden stuff. It, it can be open LGBT right. affirming, you know, um, you know, it can be things even down to, I've heard of things in, in um, like almost like sexual lessons taught in class. Mm. Uh, elementary students even. Yeah. I mean, you go down as far as elementary students, giving them um, almost like how to manuals, really right. weird, disturbing stuff. So, you know, there are specific examples. That's the broad overview. Like mm. it, a lot of parents are really concerned and, and yeah. you used to be concerned just because of safety. That was all you worried about at school. I don't want my kid to get beat up or, you know, I don't want there to be fights or, uh, now it's not like you can even get your kid into a safe school and feel safe. Mm. You go to a safe school, you may not get, you know, punched in, in the face, but your kid might be taught, um, you know, under the table, you know, sexual things a long time by, by the school and been sent to a, um, gender affirming counselor to tell you, to Mm -hmm. tell you that you're, you know, not the gender that you are. So that's happening. And I I think it started out, uh, a number of decades ago, I guess, as you know, the public schools are where they teach evolution and we stay away from that. And that was kind of like the focus, but as our culture has, uh, become more and more, I guess you could say liberal, uh, now I'm even hearing talks of schools within Shelby County uh, that are considering adding litter boxes to the school because there are students who identify as cats. I just heard. I just heard that. Yeah, that's crazy. It seems like a joke. Like we're we're in <laughs> yeah. satire of ourselves if that think. ever happens. Um, but you know, and obviously th- there are different districts. Like some school districts uh, are more localized and more. There's more control from good teachers. You have a good principal, good teachers. And in some places, this is not happening. Um, you know, some small towns where they've not been overtaken by unions, this mm-hmm. is not happening. So, you know, some people might hear that and think, well, that's not happening at my school or, or I've got a great teacher and uh, I've had great teachers before. And so that's very much possible. Um, so it just, but but to bury your head in the sand and say it's not happening, uh, it is happening. Yeah, it's too far now to say that. And and I think it's wonderful if there are godly teachers that want to stick their head in there and go and, mm-hmm. and hold back as much darkness as they can. But dare I say this article would would uh, possibly say no? I don't know. I <laughs> I really can't tell what this article is trying to do. Uh, it's really confusing to me. So um, let me give. Let me give just a summary of what I think the article's saying. You tell me if I'm being fair, okay. all right? Don't run for the school board. I would say this author, Bonnie Christian, is suggesting um, that this whole fight that we're having over the schools is a symptom of a culture war that we're in, and that um, Christians should not engage the culture mm. war. And, and the best thing that we should do is 
just focus on personal discipleship at the home level or at the church level, and um, but don't go ahead and kill all your dreams of trying to turn things around at the school by putting godly Mr. Smith or whoever, Mr. Johnson or whatever, you know, Mrs. Williams, who is a godly church member uh, or Christian, and they want to turn this thing back, and they mm-hmm. have a heart to turn this thing and, and save it and fix the problems and kick out the crazy LGBT stuff and get back to kind of a normal uh, get that out of your head. Right. That's not the path. That's what the article says. That's right. not the path that, um, that's not the way, because, and, and what I think I saw in the article as the reason why is that anything that smells like culture war to this author, uh, she says is a power grab, mm-hmm. makes it out to be as if it's, it's all about, oh, you Christians are just trying to gain power. You just want to control the schools. And it seems more like that Christian nationalist kind of fear stuff that that I read a lot of too, but um, and I just can't disagree more that like I so all right before I go <laughs> I want your thoughts what did you what did you read and when you read this article through? yeah I, I think that uh, the article ended a lot differently uh, than I expected it to so she's building up this argument even citing C.S. Lewis uh how dare you and a very interesting quote i think taking him a little bit out of context probably uh in order to make her point and then she gets to the very end saying that we need to let you know culture do it at once with the school because ultimately the school is a product of the culture and kind of telling christians just take the back seat and let the devil do whatever he wants with your children uh, she didn't say that, but she kind of said it. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. over <laughs> explaining it. But and then she gets to the end. I'm like, okay, she's gonna finish with some strong punch against conservatives or against people involved in culture, and she ends by saying, "Hey, we should be doing discipleship instead." And right. and it kind of gives me the idea of a uh, what's called like a false dilemma, uh, where you're trying to make an argument and you make people choose between two things. Like either we engage the school and the culture. Or we do discipleship. Like she's not letting us choose both, but she's saying like, look, you need to stop engaging the culture so that you can do discipleship. So, so what, if you could, if you could open up her head and find the motive, what do you Mm. think that might be? Why would, why would you make a false dilemma like that? I know if, if I engage the conspiratorial side of my mind, the only thing I could say is that you're a, you're a closeted activist and you're trying to get me to disengage right. so that you can engage in your way. That's, that's almost how I feel about it. I even wrote Am, down, is that too critical of me? No, I would agree with you. Cause I even wrote down, like if we don't get involved, then the liberal left extreme will like, they're not staying back. So it kind of feels right. like her telling us to stay back is kind of her, you know, behind her back, opening the door uh, for them to come in. Yeah. So I think I got the same uh, vibe from what she was saying. Yeah. I heard it once said, um, what's it, something about a fake, I can't remember. It's about a fake truce. Basically, if mm. we agree to this, that we're, that we're not going to engage. Like a Trojan horse thing? Yeah. It, then we're, it's like they're, they got their fingers crossed behind their back, and they uh-huh. say we agree. And then we agree in good faith, and then we stop, and then they keep pushing. That's mm-hmm. what's happened in the last 10, 20 years. Mm. Um, so I, I want to read a couple things here that, that I underlined in this article. Um, you know, obviously a few, a few 
lines in here are giving away her her position. Um, things like, what if culture war is the wrong approach entirely? Um, and I don't know what to take from that. You know, culture war fodder. I, you, hear, you see that used a lot. Like, she definitely hates the idea of culture war. Mm. Um, but, like, what if there's morality deeply embedded in the culture war? Like, it... it I would agree. I've I've made a joke about this several times. I don't care if Starbucks has a Christmas themed cup and says Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. I I really don't in my soul don't care. But that that's a, let's call that culture war. Whether the grocery store clerk tells me Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. <laughs> um to me, that is a significantly different issue right. than whether the public schools where you're forcing kids to go and taking money from our pockets to pay for it is uh, promoting these immoral ideologies and, and pushing them on kids for 12 grades. Um, and, and then again in college, like these are not the same kind of what you're calling culture war to me are hills to die on at some right. point. Yeah. And, and it's almost as if after that question that you read, she says, what if we're confusing a symptom for the illness itself? Uh, and I, I was kind of hopeful when she said that. I was like, you know, maybe this article won't be as bad. Right. Maybe she'll turn it and say, you know what? Like these people's actions are because they are dead in their sin. And that's why they're making these awful decisions and leading your kids down these awful paths. But she doesn't. She says, I guess the lack of discipleship in the home is the source. And yeah. And she appeals to the smartphone access yeah, several times about like they're getting, it's basically they're getting this content either way. Right. Which reminds me of the argument that parents use when they let their kids drink mm-hmm. at, at home. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, we want them to you know, be safe around. It, us, right. So. We're going to have the alcohol party for our kids when they're 17 at mm-hmm. the house. Cause we, you know, we know they're going to go out and drink anyway. So we might as well let them do it here safely. It's like the safe right. injection drug sites at the yeah. cities. It's like, I don't think that's the way to go about it. Yeah. That's kind of what I hear from her. It's like, well, they're going to, they're going to plunge their their mind into this stuff anyway through TikTok. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think you're being bold by standing against the schools, but mm-hmm. you're letting your kids uh, completely plunge right. into media, which is not terribly wrong. But why, again, false dilemma. A false dilemma. That's why? what I was just about to say. Because right next to that, she said, you can't review the hundreds of clips that they watch in an hour on TikTok. So I wrote to the side, take TikTok away too. Like it's, yeah, it's very, you can't, uh, <laughs> you can't be with your kid at every meal they eat. So don't, don't feed them broccoli at the house. Because <laughs> it, what, why would you force me to make that decision? Um, so I want to read, uh, what I think is the boil down point of the article where it says, um, the real problem is outside the scope of the culture war, which mm. despite its spiritual mask amounts to a variant of p- power politics. The real problem is how we have come to be. For Christian parents worried about our children's education, the real and most realistic remedy is discipleship. What that means in practice will vary family by family. For some, it may entail choosing a different school. Again, what if you can't? Right. Uh, perhaps a Christian school, a charter school, or homeschooling, rather than waging embittering political Ugh. fights. <laughs> yeah, don't fight for it. Don't, don't fight for anything. Yeah. If you and then parentheses. This is a this is a dagger in the parentheses. Parentheses. If you have the time, wherewithal, and resources to run for school board, you're probably also capable of taking on the costs and inconvenience of other schooling That's options. Awful. That is. Come on come now. On. <laughs> 
Yeah. So that's basically like if you can pay for your own kids to go to school, you know, you can you have the ability to, uh, you know, fix this problem mm-hmm. on your own. You don't need to go in and exert your authority through a position. Mm-hmm. And then she like throws in at the very end, like if none of what I just said applies to you, well, for others, public education will be a missional choice. Like, yeah. why can't it be a missional choice for the others who wanted to go to public school in the first place? Why is it if I can do nothing else and I have no other option, then I'll do missions? <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. And with the missional thing, I always say this. There is a significant difference between having an adult teacher be a missionary mm. in a school system uh, versus sending in an yeah. eight-year-old and saying you are a missionary to right. to the system that's designed mm. against you when you don't even have your full brain mm. developed and understand a even point. a tenth of the arguments that are being levied against you right. by adults in power over you. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't quite, you know, go with that one. But, you know, I here here's what I hear in this. If you can pull out do but don't dare try to change what's there. Mm-hmm. And so I just got three examples. The first is a cultural example and then two biblical examples. Okay. You ever seen the movie Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's in, made in 1939, it. so you missed your chance. Yeah. But uh, it's a classic <laughs> movie. I'm sure a lot of people at least are familiar with it. It's got mm-hmm. that, um, the, he's the same actor from It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Uh, I'm not good with actors' names. Okay. So. It's, what is it, Jimmy? I don't know. Jimmy something. He's a classic. Jimmy I mean, something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, he beca- basically gets to become a senator and goes to Washington and tries to make changes and runs into the political machine and, you know, has this big speech and faints as he's like giving his big speech before Congress. And James Stewart. James Stewart. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so anyway, why did America love that movie? It, it told the story of a little guy who got to, who went and took mm. on the machine and tried to make changes in a corrupt system. Right. He went. He tried. Did he get his head kicked in a few times? Yeah. Did he find out it was corrupt? Yeah. That's the point of the movie. But he right. persisted. He tried. You know, you the the idea that you can try and you can still go in and give it your best effort, even if you think you're going to lose, give it a shot. That's an American ideal. Mm-hmm. So maybe this strikes me in a, a little bit in an anti-patriotic kind of way. <laughs> um, but the other more important examples are biblical ones. Um, Might have the same ones as we, I do. <laughs> would we tell? Would we tell Joseph, "Don't go be the second in power in Egypt"? Would that be the title of the article? Don't be second in power in Egypt. Don't store up grain mm-hmm. for uh, the Egyptians so that the world will not die from a famine. Uh, God used that, did he not? Did not God send him into a position of power to make a difference? Option number two, don't be like Esther. Let all the Jews die. What? Who would say that? <laughs> like, she, God used yeah. Esther to go in into yeah. uh, the Persian uh, court and make a real difference because expressly because of the position she held. Now, I never read that story and thought power, power, power. I never did. Either of those two stories. I never read those and thought, oh man, Joseph was just power hungry. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Jews, are, they're just hungry yeah, for power. That's why they sent Esther in there. They're just trying to take over the system and become power hungry. Yeah. Like, no, God used someone mm-hmm. in a situation for such a time as this. Don't we mm-hmm. love that sentence? Come on. And so I, I just think, how does that square with 
a lot of the biblical idea that God uses people in specific times to make big differences right. by placing them in the right places. Right. And and God did that in this case with good people on on our side. He also did it with the uh, with Cyrus by putting a king that's not even a a God-fearing king in Cyrus uh, in position to let the Jews go free from the Babylonians. Um, he came in and was like, hey, you guys can go back and build your homeland. God used a political uh, king. He put them mm-hmm. in position to make that call so that yeah. they could go back and rebuild the temple and the homeland. So I just don't see the precedent biblically for her point at right. all. And I even think that at times God calls people out of a situation to stand up. Uh, I, I was reminded when I was reading this article, uh, just because in young adult Sunday school, uh, shout out if you need a Sunday school, you should get a young adult Sunday school. Of course. Uh, but nine, the other nine day, a.m. on Sunday every Sunday. Yes, but the other day, uh, preaching through uh, or teaching through Judges chapter six, uh, just with the beginning of the story of Gideon. Uh, that the Midianites were oppressing the people of Israel, and Israel was heavily influenced by the other nations and cultures around them. They were, they had, you know, the Baal worship, the Asherah poles, and uh, all of the above. And uh, God calls Gideon out of a place of fear, where he's kind of hiding in a wine press threshing wheat, and he charges him to be the one that God uses. And God says that He's going to use him. And the very first thing He sends him to do is to destroy all the idols that they had up on the hill in Israel. And what I see there is, is God calling someone out of the situation to change the negative influence that culture has had on his people. So your children uh, found within the school, uh, they've had all this negative influence from the culture, all this uh, bad morality kind of dumped on them. I don't think God wants us to just sit back and be like, please, you know, disrespect my God in front of me. I think he calls his people to step out and stand up for their God, even when the other people, I mean, the people went to kill Gideon and ultimately Gideon's dad was like, look, if y'all want to kill him, get your false God to kill him. And he changes his name to mean, you know, let Baal do it rather than Mm -hmm. uh, the people. And uh, I just see that God calls Gideon out to stand against the culture. And I think even uh, the apostle Paul uh, in Acts 17, I thought of when he was on Mars Hill. Uh, he was walking through, and they were up to the uh, Oropagus or whatever it was <laughs> called, and they asked him a question about what he thinks about it. And in the same way, the school board asked for the parents of the kids to be on the school board. And instead of Paul sitting back and being like, you know, this is if this is where the culture is leading, y'all. Like, I, I, I don't want to say anything. I'll go back and I'll disciple I'll, my kids privately. At yeah, home. I'll go talk to my kids back at home. I don't want to, you know, change what y'all are doing here. But instead, he's like, "Look, y'all, listen to me. Like, I'll tell you who your unknown God is." And he goes through and he evangelizes them, and we see that he boldly speaks out when given the opportunity. And I think this article would offend. Uh, the very characters in the Bible that we've mentioned. like Yeah. So I, I think to wrap it up, I think that this exposes a fault line mm-hmm. that the, what, to what extent Christian are we supposed to be engaging the world and right. the culture? Um, there are clearly those that would think the answer is not at all. And what we're supposed to be doing is keeping our faith semi-private um, in our churches, in our houses, in our minds, in our cars, um, 
but we are not in any way supposed to go shape the culture that we live in and around us. Uh, I, it, uh, that to me is one side and I'm not on that side. Right. Uh, like I can't, I, I can't square it. It doesn't even excite me. Like mm. I think about that and I just want to just take a nap or like, it's just boring. <laughs> it, it sounds terrible. Nap. Like, um, and then uh, there's clearly the other side. Um, and, and I think what, I think a tactic of the enemy right now is to try to lump the other side in with like weird views also that are like Christians that want this strange forced conversions by the Christian government thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like who mm-hmm. really wants that? Right. I, I think most people are just like, we, mm-hmm. we want this culture to, to be a reflection of God's character. We want to be able as Christians to go in and speak the, what the Bible says, and then we should have some reasonable expectation that there's not going to be immorality everywhere. Like, we should be able to go in and, and change that, and Christians have a responsibility. Uh, how do you say, on what world do you read where Jesus says that we are to be salt in the earth, and that if the salt loses its taste, you throw it out? How do we not read that and say, man, I guess that means I've got to go apply this stuff out to the world. You got to sometime take the salt out of the salt shaker and put it on the food. But like if but this view is just saying keep the salt in the salt shaker right. and you know maybe if like we'll salt ourselves up. Right, that's what I was. But like when we go out to the world, but like that's not it. it we have to go and put the put the salt out where it actually needs to go on the rotting meat to preserve it from com- from complete decay. That's our job. That's what we're doing. Um, so anyway, I think this exposes a massive fault line. The article yeah. title, Don't Run for School Board by Bonnie Christian, Christianity Today. I'd encourage everybody to go read it. Uh, you, you may have a, a few different thoughts than what we have, but I, I don't think it'll be a massively different thought. This article took me by surprise, and I thought, man, uh, that's not at all how I want to be. That's not... I, I preached a couple months ago on Isaiah 3 about the cultural downgrade at, at Kirby Woods and just our responsibility to actually get involved and to uh, go out and, and push back darkness. And I just don't see that from this article. And so I thought for sure there's somebody who might have read it or come across it, or at least maybe our, our church is uh, aware of some of these perspectives that are kind of out floating around and just wanted to help and make make known kind of our position. Yeah. Any last thoughts from the intern? Uh, I can say something, but I'll keep quiet. Okay, that's probably wise. (laughs) All right, everybody, thanks for being with us today. You are uh, more than welcome and invited to come join us any Sunday morning at Kirby Woods at 10.30 a.m. Central Time on uh, 6325 Poplar Ave, Memphis, Tennessee. Come see us. I'd love to see you. And if you have any uh, suggestions for what we can talk about on the Offscript podcast, shoot an email to pastor at kirbywoods.org. I would love to hear from you and take your suggestions on what to, to share on these episodes. Have a great week. God bless.